Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, it's great to have you guys with us. We're, um, we're in a series in the life of David, and we're excited about the next several weeks looking at his life. And if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Well, this is the new year, and everybody's wanting to start new habits and start new things. And one of the studies that was interesting is it can take anywhere from 21 days. We think 21 days to start a new habit, but anywhere from 21 to 254 days to actually break old habit and start a new habit. So that's incredible, right? It takes that long to do it. And why? Because last week I shared with you something very important about your brain. Your brain loves predictability. It, it thrives on that, no pun intended, right? Like it, it loves, like you guys, some of y'all um, are sitting in the same seat or same section, if you got here late, somebody got your seat, that you do every time you sit at church, right? If you're going to be honest today, how many of you actually are sitting in the same seat you always try to sit in? Let's be honest in here, right? All right. The rest of you are liars, and at the end of service, we're having a... A prayer gathering for you to heal you. But I say all that to say that our brain loves predictability. The problem is this. Our God is not predictable when it comes to how he operates in our lives. And if you're going to serve God and you're going to really dig into what he has for you and see him move in your life, you're going to have to release this idea for predictability because if you have this heart for predictability, what's going to happen is you're going to control everything. Yeah, it's got to be this way, it happened this way, it's gotta, this is the income, the outcome, the result, and you get so fixated on that that you end up missing what God has for you. And this happened to the children of Israel, almost happened to them. So as we looked at last week, Saul was the wicked king, right, that Samuel anointed. Remember Samuel had to move off of him. He, God said, hey, listen, he's been wicked, disobedient, but he's still the king. Samuel's led to David to anoint David as the new king, this child, and some years have passed now. And the next time we see Saul and David connect is a very interesting time because Israel was fighting their arch nemesis, the Philistines. If you look throughout the Old Testament, it's Israelites and the Philistines. Just like, you know, I mean, again, it's like the cowboys and the commanders are redskins, we call them. They're always, again, that's like, the, that's like the rivalry and they're always fighting. And the Philistines wanted to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Now, Satan's plan was that was if I can get rid of Israel, there is, there is no Messiah. But they're always fighting. And at this particular time, Saul is the king of Israel, and they're fighting the Philistines. But here's the thing. They've been camped out for days at a standstill. And here's why. One of the methods they could choose in war is this. It limits bloodshed. You send your champion, your, your best warrior, and we'll send ours. And whoever wins, that, that group wins. So instead of thousands being shit, let's just make it a little easier. And so the Philistines had this guy you've heard of named Goliath, who was a monster of an individual. Some would say a giant. But he was menacing to the children of Israel. And what had happened is Saul himself was like, hey, I can't defeat him. And Saul was a pretty big dude. They had nobody in the camp, so they were sitting there saying, I don't know what to do. We're paralyzed. And now here comes David. David was asked to bring food to the soldiers. He left being faithful again, just being faithful, and he comes to bring food to the soldiers. And when he comes, he's like, hey, what's going on? Why are you guys all intense? And he's asking the question, well, why is this happening? And they're like, oh, well, Goliath's out there, and we're too scared to fight him. He's going to destroy us. And I want you to look at what happens next in 1 Samuel 17, 38. It says this, when David said, I'll go fight him, Saul did this. Saul gave David his own armor. Now, Saul was huge. David was a teenager. 
a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like before he had never worn such things before. So you can imagine him stumbling around with all this armor on. It's like, man. He says, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. And at this point, I know that they're like, this kid's gonna get slaughtered. We're gonna see, we're gonna see a child murdered today, right? I mean, that's what they're thinking. And Goliath walked out toward David with this shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? He cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And then David replied to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword, the spirit of javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel whom you have defied. And I love what he says here, and watch this. This is very important for the day's message. Today the Lord will conquer you. It wasn't David saying, I'm gonna take you out. The Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and to the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord, watch this, rescues his people. This is the whole purpose of the battle of David and Goliath. And we're gonna look at that today. But not with a sword and a spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled this sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. See, Saul was thinking conventional, predictable. We need somebody in our camp that's, that can fight him sword against sword. Saul had a very predictable problem. This is fighting armies happened all the time, but he wanted to also have a predictable solution to it. And what did God do? God gave a very unconventional solution to a very predictable problem. And I want to draw the parallel today because many times if we can put ourselves in the shoes of Saul and the army, the same thing happens. If we were to interview Saul, if we were to interview the army and talk to them, I believe here's what they would say. I want you to write this down and here's today's big idea is that God rescues in really strange ways. God rescues in really strange ways. See, what happens in a, in a story like this, in a message like this, and you've probably had this before, is that you are put as the hero of the story. It's you versus Goliath. Take out your giants. You ever heard that message before? Defeat your giants. Um, I want to submit to you that that type of teaching is not intentionally harmful, but it is harmful. Because we tend to make ourselves the hero of the story. We make ourselves in a narcissistic way, in this eccentric way, that we're the heroes, we're going to slay giants. I want you to realize that in this story, when you look at this story, if you want to find yourself here, if I want to find myself here, you know who we are? We're not David. We're the soldiers and we're Saul. We have an enemy 
called death, hell, sin, and the grave that we cannot defeat and we're paralyzed. You have enemies in your life that you're approaching and, and you're facing. And it looks insurmountable that this could ever happen. And the worst thing I could tell you is, be stronger. You can do it. You got this. The best thing I can tell you is this, that Christ is our David in this story. We're paralyzed. We can't defeat the enemy. We don't know what to do. And Jesus steps in in our stead as our Savior, as our hero of the story, and he will do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that's what we have to look at this story is because realize that what you're facing in your life, what you're going through in your life, the things that maybe nobody even knows that are enemies in your life, you feel like you can't defeat it. You've been around this mountain over and over again and kind of tell you, no, you cannot do it. And that's where faith comes in, where you say, God, I need to be rescued. I need you to do in me what I cannot do in myself. And when you look at the story of David and Goliath, you have to realize you're the troops, you're Saul, I'm the troops, I'm Saul, and we're calling upon our champion to come out who will come in the name of our Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of our Lord. That's what they told him when he entered Jerusalem, Hosanna, for him to conquer what we couldn't. Now, God rescues in strange ways. Don't you say some, some of the ways he did this is in the Old Testament is God rescued through Moses the murderer. It's very strange. Like, we think of Moses as like, yeah. I mean, Moses murdered a man and then fled. Top 10 most wanted list. Moses was not a good speaker. He had a stuttering problem. Yet God chose him. God chose a murderer, a murderer who was a stutterer. <laughs> say that five times fast. And that's how God chose to deliver the children of Israel from the most powerful nation in the world at that time, Egypt. Think about this, the Philistines again. There's a guy named Samson. God delivered through Samson, the sidestepper. He sidestepped all of God's rules and plans for his life. He was called with a Nazarite vow to serve God. There's some things you just can't do. And he violated every one of them. And what did God use him to do? Destroy the Philistines at the end of his life. It gets even better than this. You know who God also used to rescue in the Old Testament? God used evil kings to rescue. Really? Yes. Evil kings. Whenever Zerubbabel and Ezra went to go back to rebuild the, the temple in Jerusalem, who funded them? The Persian king did. That was his enemy. Israel was the enemy. When Nehemiah needed resources, he got funded from the evil king. God used the evil king to promote his purposes. Isn't that amazing? And one of the strangest ways God rescued is that God rescued us from death through death. The way that he rescued us from death, that we have to worry about, we're not scared of death. You'll never taste death if you're a believer. Never taste it. I mean, you one day just want to wake up in the presence of God in immense joy and happiness and bliss, and you ain't worried about nobody down here. <laughs> Amen? And God rescued us through death. He sent his son to die for us, to rescue us from death. God rescues in strange ways. And if you're going to see God move in your life, whatever it is, stop making yourself the hero of the story and stop looking for just predictable methods of how the outcome's gonna play out. Because when you sign up to follow Jesus, it is the hardest thing you ever do, but man, it's fun. It's like riding a roller coaster. You're like, ah, oh, this is fun, I'm scared. <laughs> ah, 
And then like most of you, you get off and you go to another one and do it again. Why? It's terrifying, but it's also very exciting because that's how God works and moves. And I'm not sure what you're looking for him to rescue with, but realize our God rescues in strange ways. And if we don't realize this, if we just keep looking to the predictable and the conventional, here's my fear. I want you to write this down. My fear is this. If we don't realize how God rescues, then we will miss his method of deliverance. Some of you are praying for loved ones who've gone astray, right? And you're praying to find the right church and good Christian friends. Now, that's fine. Pray for that. I'm going to show you the opposite side of that in a few minutes. You're praying for the right job. And you can't find the right job. There's a, there might be a reason for that. Right? Like, you're, you're praying for that certain person in your life if you're single. But you know what? There's something, something else God wants to do in you. And so there's, there's things we're praying for, and we're looking for predictable outcomes of what we're expecting God to do. And that is not how our God works. Saul was looking for predictable outcome, and David was the total stage left, how God entered in. You know, for me and my story of following Jesus, this happens all the time, but especially, do you know how one of the, the major breaking points in my life, um, it was not a church, that I, I gave my life to Jesus in a church, but it wasn't, it wasn't a church per se or just Christians per se that God used to draw me to himself. It wasn't find the right Christian friends, find the right good church. That's what we pray for. You know what God used? Okay, so I didn't know Jesus, so don't judge me. Um, when I got kicked out of, uh, out, of, out of college, I came home, worked for my dad's company, and I, my mom would buy me beer each night, and I would sit and play Final Fantasy VII, which is one of the greatest games of all time, PlayStation original. Can I get an amen out there for somebody? Anybody? Uh, yeah, I love some, and so And then I would also, too, hang out my window and smoke weed. You know, I thought my parents couldn't smell it. My, yeah, they, they knew what was happening. And I didn't know Jesus but I was intrigued about Jesus and I knew that the stuff that I was doing wasn't filling my life. If you think beer and you think weed are gonna like make you, help your anxiety and help you feel better. No, Jesus is way better, right? Way better. So, so anyway, I'm doing that and you know what really, like one of the key turning points to actually wanting to follow Jesus were people who didn't follow Jesus. I'm sitting there watching the History Channel which is the worst thing you can watch if you wanna learn about true biblical you know, accuracy and historicity, it's terrible. Their job is to make you not believe in it, right? So I'm sitting there, and they're talking about the Shroud of Turin. The Shroud of Turin is what is believed to be what was Jesus was wrapped in. And there's this whole history channel. I'll never forget it. And I'm watching it, and these secular scholars are like, yeah, and they're trying to get you to disbelieve it. And I'm sitting there like, blowing out my window and drinking beer. I'm like, watch, I'm like, and I got mad. at the, I was like, no, you know what? Guys, listen, I sat there and thought, you guys are, he did rise from the dead. I literally said that to the TV and could not stop watching. I was angry at them. And the one or two little conservative, like fundamental Christian scholars that came in and gave their little bit and they got away from them real quick. That's what they always do. Go away to all the, I was like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, that's right. I wanted to hear more. God used the history channel to disprove the resurrection. And I was, that's the first time I was like, I believe in the resurrection. God used some, my grandma never prayed for secular scholars to disprove the right to get me to believe in it, right? And God rescues in really strange ways. And as you're looking at 2024 and you're wondering like how God's gonna deliver, God's gonna move and God's gonna rescue, it's gonna be in a really strange way in which he does it. 
And so I want, to, I want you to do this. I want you to take this one action step, and let me explain it to you, uh, to you before you, you tune me out. What you and I have to do is this, broaden your imagination. Oh, imagination. That's not the devil. Oh, the devil. Oh, do you know the greatest thing that kids need to develop? Imagination. Imagination. God's given us an imagination. It's in the Bible. Like, you know, he says, I will do more than what you can even think or even. He didn't say not imagine. He said, you go ahead and imagine what I can do. I can do more than that. And one of the greatest verses that comes to me when it comes to us thinking in these conventional ways is this. It's Isaiah 55. And you may know this. But again, when it came to delivering the children of Israel, they were looking for conventional methods. And Isaiah shows up to them for Assyria's coming, Assyrian captivity. Isaiah's like, they're coming, get ready. The evil, God's gonna use an evil king to get you back on track, to bring you into exile. And look what he says to them about that. In Isaiah 55, verse eight, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could. You gotta broaden your imagination. Stop, oh, it's never gonna happen. It's gotta happen this way. You're so tunnel vision into one little thing that you're missing what God could do in your life. Because he's so much bigger than anything you could even think of. Anything that you could imagine of how he's gonna do that thing that you're praying for. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So when it comes to God delivering, God rescuing, God doing that thing in your life that you've, again, you've been around the same mountain a lot of times. And you're wondering, well, yes, God will deliver you, but here's what you have to do. And there's three things we see in this narrative of the life of David. If you're gonna see God move, the first thing you will have to start with, start with convention. I'm not saying start with the unconventional. Start with the convention, like the conventional. Start with that. Start with the conventional thinking. Verse 38 says, then Saul gave David his own armor a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. That's what he knew. That's what he knew. Now, when it comes to things, there, try, the, the, try the, the, the normal thing first. Don't go off the wall, right? Start with convention. Maybe your next step is do something very conventional, and that's okay to do that. But here's what I want to kind of throw you a curveball. The next thing you have to do is then look to the exception. When you've done the conventional, then look to the exception. And here's what that means. David looks and says this. He says, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. And then he took them off again. And what did he do? He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them in a shepherd's bag. You're gonna slay a giant with five smooth stones? Really? Now don't start with that. But there's times, and I think some of you are at a place in your life that there may be the exception. Look for God to move in that way, in a way you did not see him entering in a way you didn't see him moving. Be open to that. Because if you're not open to it, if you don't realize he rescues it, then you're gonna cast it. Imagine if Saul would have said, hey buddy, listen, that's really cute. And I'm sure you're really good, your little slingshot buddy, pats him on the head and says, you need to go back. Let, let the men handle this. Could you imagine if that would have happened? Now Saul in all of his wickedness did have enough common sense to say, you know what, maybe it's God. Maybe God is using this very thing that I thought was negative and I thought wouldn't work and I thought this is terrible to actually propel what I need in my life. 
maybe God's gonna use your wayward child who's on drugs and drinking to draw those things to himself because they're getting more empty every day doing that. Maybe God's gonna use you not getting that job to be able to go back to school to something you really want to do. Maybe, amen, maybe God doesn't wanna give you someone yet because you don't find the love of your life. You become someone who loves themselves, someone who is gross. You attract who you are. And maybe God wants to work on you during that season, amen? amen. Maybe even in your marriage, God's gonna use this thing you're fighting right now. You're like, man, we don't even like each other. And maybe God's gonna use that to draw you because you're gonna learn things and you're gonna help others in their marriage in the future, but you gotta go through the battle. You have no idea how God's gonna use that. Look to the exception. And then what are you gonna do finally? I wanna close with this. Here's what Saul and David both had to do. Allow God's direction in your life. And David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you had to fight. I love this. Today the Lord will conquer you. See, start with conventional. That's, that's fine. You, you, you need to do that. I'm Mr. Conventional. I believe in that. Look to the exception of how God can move and work. Then finally, allow God's direction. What is God trying to speak to you? You're like, I don't know. You do know. You just don't want to accept it. What's the Lord really trying to say to you? It's not hard to hear God, guys. You know it. You know you're supposed to forgive that person. That's why you fight it so much. That very thing you're fighting, you know you're supposed to get in counseling. You know it. You're fighting it. God's speaking to you, but you're fighting it. Saul could have easily, easily have fought. David could have been like, hey, I'm anointed as king. I need to protect myself. This is, a, this is a suicide mission. Allow the direction of the Lord in your life. What, not how you feel, not what you're going through. What is the Lord trying to speak to you? And you know it. You just won't accept it. And when you allow that in your life and you broaden your imagination, say, God, you know, I am open. I am open. It is phenomenal how God comes in stage left. You're like, can I tell you this really strange thing that happened? <laughs> can I tell you this really strange way which God rescued, which God brought the job, God did this, God did that. It was crazy, but it's awesome. And if you were sitting with Saul and the troops today and we could interview them, they'd say, let me tell you, it was crazy to watch this kid go out and slay a giant with a stone and a sling. God can do the same thing in your life, and he wants to do that. Can I pray for you this morning? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and we all have a giant, something that is taunting us, something that is telling us that we're not good enough, we can't do this. There's an obstacle in our life. But today, we don't proclaim that we can take out the giant. We allow you to step in, just like Saul allowed David to step in. We allow you, Lord, through your power to come in. And Lord, do above and beyond what we can ask, think, or even imagine. We just surrender our thoughts to you today, our conventional ways of thinking. And we believe that you will even use the things that we're, we think are so bad to do your goodwill with, Lord. We just, we believe that today, God. We thank you that you rescue. 
We have surrendered to your rescue, and we just admit and submit that you rescue in really strange ways, God. And I cannot wait. I pray this one prayer for everybody in here and listening online, this one prayer. Do it in a way they only know it's you. Do it in a way they only know it's you, God. We thank you for that. As we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe your next step, maybe you just came to church. You just want to come and hear a message or come check it out. God said, no, 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 I want to rescue you. God said, I want to save you. I want a relationship with you. No, today is your day for the life transformation you've been seeking, that journey to start. Today is your day for God to rescue you. But you have to surrender to him. So I want you to pray this prayer after me. If you want to give your life to Christ and start or either come back to faith in him, I want you to pray this prayer after me. It's this here. You say, God, I surrender to you. I admit I need Jesus. I give up my old life. I give up my old ways. And I accept your ways. For I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I believe he's Lord. So today, I confess publicly, Jesus is my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen. Amen.